There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big, big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. It's great to be back with you uh, for another week. Um, I would just like to uh, wish you well, wherever you are listening to this around the world. And um, and if you didn't get the chance to listen to Libby Wagner last week, we got a lot of really positive feedback on that show. She was a great guest. And we talked about the grand adventure. We talked about uh, you know, the, the paradigm, that shift that occurred during the pandemic and how Libby decided to set off solo on a camper van and drive across the US to get in touch with normal people, with real people, not um, not the people the politicians talk about, um, but uh, to understand what is it really like out there and, and connect. And she wrote and she thought and she reflected and she reflected on things like working from home and hybrid working and, and, and the beliefs maybe that uh, leaders of the companies she worked for needed to shift in order to, to move their businesses forward. Um, really insightful, really thought-provoking conversation, and I'd really recommend that you go into the archive and listen to that one if you haven't. Uh, now, I have had a little criticism a few times for not saying anything ever about myself, um, so I should say that um, I, you know, I, I, my work is I develop leaders and teams and build highly engaged workplaces, but my purpose in life is about helping others to realise more of their potential, and that's what this show's about. It's about helping you helping you to navigate the world of business and of life and to, to elevate what you do and to do business from a place of good, you know, because we want to create a better world. We want to be um, solve be something that helps be a fix on the world and a solution rather than adding more to the problem. And I think we can do that through, through business. So that's really important, uh, important to me. And so this show has been going for 11 years nearly now, and I'm delighted, delighted to be having Mark, uh, uh, Mark um, Levy, on, Levy on the show today um, because he's uh, somebody I connected with a number of years ago and just loved our conversation. And this guy can talk about pretty much anything. Uh, his, uh, his CV is, is unbelievable. Uh, and I couldn't wait to get back in touch with him, actually. And I think the last time we talked about bears and all sorts of things, because he had them in his garden. I think he's got coyotes now. Um, and it was just um, it was just brilliant. I, I loved the conversation. And, uh, and Mark is, um, you know, he helps people with positioning. He helps people with uh, strategy, he works with amazing big companies through to individuals. But even the individuals that you might have heard of, people like Simon Sinek, um, he has... Uh, he's a he's a consultant to global brands, iconic TV shows. Um, he's been um, elected to the Consultant Hall of Fame. He's a multiple author, an educator, a speaker. And one of the things I just love about Mark is that he he has he's just interested in all sorts of things. And he's he's a magician, um, and he creates also magic shows. So at the moment, one of his things he's really passionate about his sleight of hand magic, which he is, uh, is developing. Um, but one thing that are unique, something unique about Mark, you know, we talk about shows, you might think, oh yeah, Mark's put on a you know, little show, maybe in his, his local town, uh, somewhere in the United States, but no, 
um, for, for his show that he co-created, Chamber Magic, has run for over two decades and is New York's highest rated live show on TripAdvisor, um, even higher than Hamilton, which I just think is absolutely incredible. Uh, now, you probably want to hear all about Mark, but Mark turned the tables on me in our conversation, and, and Mark said, Chris, you just shared something with me that I think people need to hear about, and I'd like to interview you. So I hope we can find out a bit about Mark today, but Mo Mark would also like to talk to me about, uh, about keeping your head whilst others might be losing theirs, because I've had a little experience of late that uh, can maybe draw a little bit of wisdom that can maybe have help. So a huge welcome uh, to, to Mark. How are Hi. you? Thank you so much. I'm very impressed that you announced your purpose. Like that's a very bold thing. Imagine 20 years ago, if someone said, here's my purpose, like that wouldn't have happened. People would have been scratching their heads. They'd say, what? <laughs> Why are you telling me that? And how do you know that? You know, it was, it, it, it's, it's built up to that, you know, like the business world, the idea that we all have a purpose, that we need a purpose, that we know our purpose, we should tell people our purpose. You know, like when I was growing up, I'm in my late fifties, when I was growing up, if I had told people, if I said, oh, here's my purpose, they'd say, they'd say to me, well, good for you. Like, why don't you do the thing that I hired you to do? I don't care. Your yeah. purpose helps you. Why are you telling me? Yeah. So I find it interesting in a great way that you announced your purpose. When did you find your purpose? And how do you know that that's your purpose? And has your purpose ever changed? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. So I think Answer I all those questions in the next eight seconds. Okay, uh, 28 uh, on, a, <laughs> on a program called the Landmark Forum. And no, it's never changed. It's never changed. No, no. Oh my God. No. How did you, how did you know that that, how did you arrive at that as your purpose? Um, well, there's, there's a methodology uh, and I have some other aspects. I actually I do a lot of work with clients with purpose and, and, and you know when someone's purpose is quite correct because not only does the statement that you create, uh, uh, it, it makes sense to you. You can, um, you can visually see it in the other person. And you can feel the energy that comes from them, you know. So for me, my full purpose is um, I'm, you know, I'm someone I, I, I choose to be someone who enables others to realise their true potential. Um, but I, you know, for me, it's about some um, of the possibilities as well of being of inspiration, responsibility, freedom, and fun built into mine. Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've lived with that since I was 28. And you know, what I did is I at 28, I, I wrote down what life would be like when I was 40. Uh, that, and that I wrote that I decided I wanted to live and do work that's fitted in line with my purpose and, and my purpose I choose to from a, a business perspective um, focus on companies and leaders um, however through the radio show it's in some ways my philanthropy really it's how how I contribute to a better world uh, and uh, how I, I have an opportunity to reach and help others through the guests that I introduce to help them realize more of their potential so you do you uh, in making decisions about business, uh, do you, have you consciously used your purpose? Like saying, I'm going to go in this direction specifically because this is my purpose, and I'm not going to do that because this is my purpose and it's not in line with it. Or is it more playing in the background subconsciously? Uh, well, I think what I find with it actually is because I know my purpose it sometimes means that I'm prepared to say things to a client that maybe I might've been afraid to once upon a time. 
because if I if I do not, I sometimes have to be very honest with a client in a, in in a, in a an emotionally intelligent way, but tell them, you know, and share with them what they need to hear in order to make the change. So I would say actually, my purpose has and, and my purpose also, if I go into a room of people, whereas once upon a time I'm a sort of person who likes to be liked, I don't need to need to be liked so much anymore because um, I, I need to do what's right rather than. Um, you know, it's rather than me coming out needing to them all to think I'm wonderful. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, I'm happy if I, you know, to turn them into a place of turmoil sometime, because if that's the right thing to do, and then help them through that, that storm. Uh, oh, so wow. I would say my purpose has actually given me a little bit more toughness, as well as being, you know, being about caring and kindness and, and, and love, and it gets me up each day, because it, makes, it means my work is worthwhile. Oh, wow. If you, and by the way, people listening, this is Chris's show, right? But I'm interviewing him <laughs> where this is going. I'll tell it's because Chris is so exacting and wants to put on the best show possible that we hadn't talked in a couple of years. So we had a couple of conversations over Zoom. He said, oh, Mark, I want you back on my show. You haven't been on for a few years. And I spoke to him a couple of times and he was talking, we'll get to this in a second. He was talking about this health issue that he wanted to discuss. And I was kind of embarrassed to talk about anything that I was gonna talk about. He was trying to draw it out for me, but I was fascinated with Chris because he was talking about this health issue and he's such a, like a positive, inspiring guy. Like it's amazing to me uh, um, uh, uh, how positive, inspiring he is and where uh, other people like other people would be nasty or they would be indifferent or they would be frustrated or whatnot and i was learning so much from just hearing uh, uh how he continues to do things in an amazing high level and great way that i just said what i have to say is meaningless first by the way one thing that i wanted to know was was is your is this is this amazing quality you're showing is it the stereotypical british stick to it like stiff upper lip and keep calm and carry on type of thing or is this a chris specific thing right so i want to know that hold you're going to answer it don't answer yet but but uh so i wanted to know that and i wanted to know any tips for how, you know, like we can keep such a positive attitude in life, even when we're facing difficult times. Before though, you answer that question, the final question about purpose I wanted to ask you about was the idea of what's a tip to people listening that would help them arrive at a purpose that would get them out of bed in the morning? Ooh, I, I, I think what it's, I think having maybe a, a journal might be a good idea and to you know to ask yourself you know how how questions like you know how do i want to contribute to the work to the world mm. um what what am i what am i personally drawn to uh, you know what's important to me i think these kinds of you know beautiful questions or or questions that mean that you you think deeply can help you derive a statement uh, which, uh, which, and you will know when that statement is correct because you will physically feel it. It will give you energy. Um, mm. 
So I think that's it. You know, I have a methodology where I help people and I must have done several hundred purposes with people and uh, over the years. And I'm, I'm still just amazed what some of them have gone on to do with them. I mean, it's just been astonishing when they've connected with it, uh, what they what they have done and how they've contributed to the world. But it's something I mean, it's always been said, hasn't it? And there's one statement a quote somewhere, which uh, the most important day of your life is the day you're born and the day when you discover why. Um, so I, you know, I know from your work with Simon that uh, you, you know, you, you more than get this, um, probably more so than me. Um, but that is your purpose is worthwhile investing because that's the fuel that can get you through all sorts of trouble, all sorts of challenge, you know, around so all sorts of challenges when, you know, a storm brews, <laughs> um, but it can give you the energy each morning to get up out of bed and get on because you know, you're contributing. See, every conversation I have is about helping people realize their potential. That's what I'm here for. I know it is. So every coaching session I'm having people, every session I'm having with a client, when I'm talking to my kids, they don't listen to me often, which is quite interesting. Um, but, you know, it, it's all about trying to help people. And sometimes you've got to turn that table on yourself and ask you some questions when things get tough, you know. Um, so that's a beautiful segue. Uh, and now let's go into why don't you tell people about the situation that we've been discussing the past two sessions and, you know, what you're doing. Well, well Mark, you, you, I think you asked me, you know, how, how the year had been and how things have been with me. And it was hard for me to, to sidestep this because I've had, I've had some health, health issues and not something I've had great experience of in the past. Um, but I had, well, I had a, a surgery 16 years ago and when I was a student, I used to get, my friends would laugh at me because I couldn't really take alcohol. And uh, what, I, what I had was an issue with, with acid reflux. Uh, um, so I had some tests done 16 years ago and it was determined that I needed to have uh, a surgery done to take a bit of my stomach, wrap it around my esophagus, create a tighter valve to stop this acid going up. Otherwise I was a higher risk of cancer, of esophageal cancer. So I had that surgery and you know, it was brilliant. It was like, um, it was like that. The, it was not pleasant to go through, but it was like a light switch had been turned off and my reflux had gone. But then last year I started feeling unwell again and I was running several workshops at a client and I felt nauseous and I didn't feel right and I got this reflux started again. So to cut a long story short, more tests and it was identified that uh, I had a large hiatus hernia, which is where your stomach goes through kind of the lining of your diaphragm, partly into your chest cavity but also it had taken this wrap I had with it uh, and therefore I needed it pulling down and I needed it, um, the wrap repairing and I needed it stitching so my stomach could go back into my chest cavity. June the 4th, June the 15th, so I had that done. Um, but after it, I had 12 hours, within 12 hours after it, it was an absolute agony rolling around in bed in terrible pain. And it turned out we discovered six weeks later that it had pushed through the stitching, my, my stomach back into my chest cavity. So, which meant I needed, it was failure. Um, I've been told there's a 5% chance of failure, 2% chance of death through the surgery. So fortunately I was in the 5% and not the two. Uh, <laughs> so it was identified with the surgeon. Like, I'm really sorry, you know, this has happened. We're gonna need to do it again. Um, but this time we'll put mesh in there as well. So April the 4th, I had the surgery done again. Uh, four hours this time, the surgeon afterwards told me it was the most complex surgery done out of 700 stomach surgeries. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, I'm not feeling any better. And it turns out it's failed again. 
So um, where are we now? So that was last week I discovered that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and I'm basically working with medication at the moment to stabilize me. I need a few months to get over the surgeries. I'm back working and everything again. Uh, and uh, do I have a third surgery? Well, that's going to be much higher risk. So it may be that we're managed on medication. Um, but that's where I am, really. So it's been a it's been an unusual situation. I've had been through you know some real challenging times personally with with um, with with pain and discomfort and getting over these surgeries. Um, and I've also been working at the same time and trying to do my best to be a decent father and husband. <laughs> and by the way, where this came up from is you guys, right? This is audio. This is that video. But when I saw Chris, I said, hey, you look great. You lost a lot of weight. You know? And it's like, oh, I'll tell you my weight regimen. It's having surgeries that fail. <laughs> well, you, I think the thing that really struck me from what you, from what you said yeah. was um, I, about three years ago, I was working as a, a, a wonderful fellow, Gene Early, who Gene's an amazing man. And before I even met Gene, I heard of his uh, heard about him. He said Gene can read into your DNA. He'd he'd launched NLP. I don't know if some of you may sure. not look that up if you don't know what it is. But and he set all the, tra the training centers up across Europe, and uh, and he's um, he'd run a university in Hawaii, and he's an amazing man. And we become we met in Kenya out of, out of coincidence, and had a wonderful experience um, on a on a program together. And about Gene and I kind of coach each other, really, peer to peer. And he's part of something called my Elevation Collective, uh, which, uh, which I created. And about three years ago, we were doing a bit of co-coaching. And I decided, because I was struggling a little bit with getting irritated with my young children, mm. that I needed to become the calm in the storm. Right. And maybe we talk about it after the break. But you said something to me which was fascinating, which you described me as the calm in the storm as had a consultant that day as well uh, and said, I, Chris, I just don't understand. Can I ask, before you go, can I ask you this? How on earth have you kept, do you keep yourself so calm? You know, why aren't you getting upset about this? Right. And uh, I realized that day that actually I'd become the calm in the storm. I still get irritated by my children sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, they know how to press my buttons. But I realized that that decision I made three years ago and the work that I'd done with it had helped me through this. And you, Mark, sharing that with me was, was a revelation, uh, as was the consultant, because it suddenly came, you know, I just closed the loop and realized that actually I'm doing this. You hadn't realized no. uh, uh, that you're, yeah. you're keeping your hand on the tiller in rough water. You, ju you just did it naturally. You didn't realize it was something people could see. No, I, I was working on it. I mean, the, the, you know, people said to me, why didn't you, you know, were you angry with the surgeon? And I said, what do you mean? Angry with the surgeon? Why would it be that? And I said, well, it's gone wrong. I said, but I might need him to uh, stick a knife in me again. Do you right. want someone sticking a knife in with you who you've irritated? I don't. <laughs> I want him to be, I want to be friends with him. <laughs> I want him to care about me. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so yeah, so uh, maybe we talk a bit more about it after the break, don't they? Absolutely. <laughs> when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, sir. Chris Cooper, I'd like to pass over to Mark um, Levy uh, to, uh, to to continue this, uh, uh, this section because... Uh, it's not Chris Cooper. It's Mark leading the show today. So Mark, Mark, back back to you. Right. Well, <laughs> we were talking about a situation that you were un- undergoing that you you just to me are very inspiring how you handle it. And I talked to you about so a lot of people might be fearful in the situation, and we all have different we all have different ways that we deal with fear, right? And I think we don't just have one way, we have a a multitude of ways. So one way that I remember having dealt with a fear, so I wanna tell you about this because I find this very interesting. It's an approach that I use all the time, but then I wanna hear how you approached your situation. So 35 years ago or so, I was 24 uh, years old and I was, a salesperson for a large book wholesaler, right? We'd buy millions of dollars worth of books from Simon and Schuster and Doubleday and Random House. And then we'd sell them to bookstores, independent bookstores and buying offices. And I was super good at that job. I sold millions of dollars worth of books. And we were, um, there was a conference. We were in New Jersey, in the US, in New Jersey. And there was a conference, a book conference in uh, California. And so I needed to fly across the country to man our booth at this conference. But I hadn't flown for about 14 years since I was 10 years old. My dad died. And so after that, we just hadn't gone anywhere. And so I was scared of flying because I hadn't been exposed to flying for, you know, most of my life. And but I knew I had to go to the conference because I couldn't back down from it. So what I did, my approach to this fear was I bought a book on how to overcome the fear of flying. It was a little book. And I still remember to this day 
what it did was it essentially it took an education approach to overcoming fear. So I still remember. So what I'm about to tell you is from 35 years ago. I have not owned the book for 35 years. I haven't read it or so. But this is what it said. It was fascinating. It said, in order to die in a plane crash or a jet plane crash, you would have to take two flights a day for 16,000 years, statistically, in order to die. So I said, oh, wow. Well, I could never be that quote unquote lucky, right? Like two flights a day for 16,000 years. I mean, come on, man. I'm not, that's not going to happen to me. And also it talked about turbulence and it said, so turbulence, it's when the wind, it, the plane's riding on the wind and it's throwing the plane up and down, sometimes very dramatically, but actually turbulence is a good thing. And so it kind of reframed it. It said mm. turbulence is like a speedboat on the water. So a speedboat's on the water, and when it's going up and down the waves, it's moving up and down very dramatically and side to side. And so, and that's because that helps the boat go through the water and stay in one piece. That if you had a boat that didn't go up and down dramatically and move side to side, the energy, it would break the boat into pieces. So the fact that it's moving all around is great. You want to see that happening. And it's the same thing in the airplane. When the airplane's shaking or so, you should thank your lucky stars it's yeah. doing that because it's riding the waves of wind. Yeah. And then uh, in this idea of trying to find out more about how planes fly, uh, when I actually got onto the plane on my trip, I went to, this was pre 9-11, I went to the, I asked the stewardess, can I please uh, see the cockpit? And so she said, sure, I got there early. So I went into the cockpit, the pilot was there, the co-pilot, and they said, oh, do you fly? And I said, no, no, I'm just interested in how the plane flies. And they showed me all the charts and they showed me all the switches and they, you know, it was, it was learning about flying so thoroughly. Like I also remember, by the way, from the book, it said when the plane's up in the air and the flaps are down, it's really hard for the plane to come down because it's riding on wind. So the pilots have to do all kinds of things with thrusters and whatnot. It's a big deal to get the plane onto the ground. It's not something that happens in you know, some lackadaisical way. So all these things, uh, like I became fearless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from 35 years ago. And it was so when something is scares me, I tend to try to research it, not extensively. I don't mean to overwhelm myself, but just the more I know about it, the more calm I come become of it uh, about it. So that's one way I approach the unknown is to really educate myself in an exciting, like student-like way about it. How do you, or at least with what your surgeries or so, or your situation, how do you deal with that fear? Or how do you deal with fears in general? Or maybe you don't even process it as a fear. I, th I think the, what, I, what I've done for many years actually, is I've learned to reframe my thoughts so, so if I get a fear, I will look, look at the opposite. I mean, a good example with the, the surgery, the first time 16 years ago, when, when it was discovered I had this challenge, I had a, 
had a wire put down my probe, put down my nose into my stomach and I had a box that was attached to my waist for 24 hours, measuring the acid coming off. Um, and uh, my wife called me and said, are you okay? And I was walking out of the hospital with a phone. I got a big sticker um, plaster right over my nose. People were looking at me because I looked a bit different. And uh, I said to her, I said, uh, I've got a new friend. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, I've got, I've got this box around me and it's kind of, it's kind of helping me out and it's going to work out whether I've got acid in my stomach or not. And this thing was uncomfortable overnight. All the time I thought about it as my friend. So that's the way I re reframe. If someone's sticking a needle in me, I think of it as being my friend because it's going to help me get, get better. And what I, what I know, I know that my, you know, my thoughts and feelings determine my actions and my results. So if I get, a, if I get a, a feeling of doubt or, you know, this could go wrong, actually, no, it could go right. And it just could be, you know, good. Uh, you know, okay, the surgery has been a failure. Well, actually, no, what I've done is I've learned um, something. I'm a bit, a bit wiser having been through it. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll find a different solution. Maybe it wasn't to happen. So all the time I'm constantly reframing situations uh, and I do that, you know, I do that all the time. I've got a, 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 a property, a flat in London, and I've had an issue with a neighbour, and it's uh, over the flat, my flat, um, so I'm renting, renting and about to sell. It's, uh, it, there was a, a problem and a leak happened. It went down to the flat below. Now, the agent was, oh, no, we shouldn't be giving them money. We should fight this. And I say, actually, you know, I'm too, um, I, I think the re what we need to do is we need to, peacefully kind of weather this storm that guy's had some problems i'd be frustrated too i wrote a lovely note um I've, I've paid him a bit of money to help him with the problem and we're now good friends you know oh. it could have gone it could have gone to court actually if i right. if I'd taken a different approach so i think what we have to do is when there is a storm we have to rise above it and maybe we have to be the sky and we look down and rather than getting into that storm and the turmoil of it we feel that we we remove ourselves from it by reframing our thinking uh, into a more positive light and then we can take a calmer perspective and when we're calm it's much easier to make a sensible rational decision rather than when we're in the emotion of it so i guess that reframing like you mentioned is one way that i i work with with challenges um what would you how would you define the concept of reframing for people who don't quite yeah. get it i would say when you have a a negative fear coming through your head, like, you know, it's going to fail. This is too much pressure. This is, I, I would look for an alternate, the opposite. Um, and, and I would then actually, no, this could be a great opportunity. You know, I'm just being, you know, thank you to my inner chimp. That's fearful. Thank you for, the, for, for giving me the warning, but actually this could be a great opportunity for me. Um, another way is, you know, this is this is a really rough situation. It will be for the next five days or the next the next fifty days. But in five months' time, it really isn't going to be a problem at all because storms always go away, don't they? You don't get a continuous storm. I mean, you always get calm, and that's what it's like in life. We will always come upon storms, and how we are with our mental, you know, our mental kind of feelings, our mental health determines on how we react to these storms and we, the, it's part of life you're going to have storms to navigate so uh another another way um that mark that i found very helpful on this show i've met a lot of amazing people who've been through adversity so comparing myself and my situation with some of them 
you know, we had a lovely guy, Stephen Sutton, who died the day before his 20th birthday from teenage cancer. I don't have 10, I'm in my 50s. I don't have teenage cancer. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, Jane and Mystery, who I've supported now for a number of years and, and helped, she, she lost her eyesight at 18. Oh. Uh, and um, her, her, due to some being given, I think, penicillin, and when, when she's allergic to it, she lost 60% of her skin and lost half a lung. And she's, she's an amazing person. Um, so she asked, she asked through my situation, can I help you? And I said, you are helping me. Mm. Yeah, you, you don't realize it. You are helping me. Um, so by comparing your situation, people said to me, Mark, that um, you said the same words. And I was, I was apologies for swearing. They said, your situation's really shit. And I said, no, it's not. So really shit is being living in Ukraine at the moment and being bombed and having to run away from your home. Really shit is being told that you've got terminal cancer and you've only got a few months to live. Um, But if I was told that, what I would want to do is I would want to, you know, beyond my life, know that I've left people feeling positive about me as a human being and that they've learned something from me. And I I want them, I'd want them to go away uh, maybe that my, my life having been a bit worthwhile, not at all. He moaned a lot when he was in his last few months or years. You know, he uh, he, he didn't. He um, he stayed positive. He was inspiring. Um, and I will take that away when it's my turn. You know, that's uh, right. Am, really. well, well, by the way, and again, that's what prompted me saying, oh, I don't want to talk about myself that much. I want to talk about you. It's because it you weren't trying to teach me any lessons. I was just listening because I asked you mm-hmm. about your situation a couple of times. And it was like, it was like, oh, wow, that's rough. And I can't believe the way you're talking about it. Like you were talking about it, like in the most, you know, like you're going on a vacation or something like that. It was like, oh my God, I got to learn from this guy. It's a silver lining, you know, Mark. Um, the sil- I think that's one thing we don't do too much. And, um, uh, uh, Paul, who was on the show a couple of, um, uh, Paul Hargreaves on the show a few weeks ago, I think it was him who said to me, what we don't do is we, we don't take the silver linings, enough of the silver linings from situations, from difficult situations. And for me, mm. one of the silver linings is it, out of my situation is, gosh, I'm so appreciate my energy, Mark. It's mm. something we don't take, we, we take for granted. But when you're when you're you know three weeks after each surgery, when I felt really rough, I mean I'd eight and nine of the worst days of my life after my second surgery, and I didn't have the energy, I was in pain, I was nauseous, and and now you know I'm six and a half, seven weeks on, uh, and I'm and I'm doing nearly everything that I you know we we can do, and I'm just so grateful for this energy that I've got it back because it's brilliant. Right. So so I think we've got to look at those silver linings and. Uh, and appreciate, uh, I, our, you know, our health and appreciate, you know, ordinary life, you know, and we don't appreciate ordinary enough. Right, right. What you're saying, forgive me for, for cutting you off, what you're saying reminds me of uh, uh, often with my clients, I give them an exercise to walk around in appreciation. This is kind of like a content generation exercise. I have them, and uh, I used to tell a story about this, that years ago, my wife and I bought a small wooden table that was very exotic. It it was very unusual looking, and it cost us a few hundred dollars for, at the time, that was a lot of money to us. 
And we put it, it was so beautiful. I put it right at the doorway when you opened the door of the house and you walked in. It was the thing right in front of you because it was so exotic. <laughs> and one day I went off to work and my wife called me at work and she said, Kuma ate the table. Uh, and Kuma was our little black and tan Shiba Inu puppy at the time. Uh, and Kuma, like, you know, got out of wherever she was and she was wandering around the house and she chewed on the leg of the table. So that was all messed up. And I remember coming home and seeing it and I was so angry at Kuma. I mean, I didn't do anything to her when I, but I was super angry and I was so disgusted with the table that I picked it up and I turned it around so that the chewed up faced away and I put it in the corner of a far room. Like I didn't want to look at it. I would just use it to put stuff on it, like my keys or something. I didn't want to deal with it. Years later, like 10 or 15 years later, um, I was looking around the house doing this exercise of trying to appreciate things that you hadn't really thought about or that you thought badly about. And I saw this table and then I looked at the chewed part and I realized the old 15 years later, the only thing valuable about this table was the chew marks from Kuma because she had died. You know, now, you know, it was 15 years later. So she was not only not a puppy, she had died. And um, this thing, like I thought her chewing on the leg of the table had ruined the table and her chewing on the table was really the only thing that gave it any value. I would have thrown it out without that. So it reminds me of what you're saying. Well, thank, thank you for that, because I have a, an old table in my loft, which is up there because the dog destroyed the leg, our dog, uh, Barney. Um, and do you still have Barney? We've still got Barney. He's very old. He's, he's next door. He's a big cream Labradoodle. Uh, he's lovely, um, but he destroyed a lot of furniture when we first got him, and and, and oak steps, anything that was expensive, that the, the, the nice thing right. we generally went for. Um, apart, um, apart from the kitchen table, and he completely ate the ta leg off that. So uh, right. I can really relate. But you've just you've just reframed that for me. I, when when he's gone, we'll we'll get that table out. But Barney created a work of art that yeah. you'll remember him always in the best possible way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that is a reframe. I yeah. will share that with my wife tonight. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so uh, when we come back from the break, what are we going to talk about then? Wow. That's a really good, I want to I don't want to commandeer the entire No, well I want to talk um I'd like to talk a little bit about your experiences as well because you Sure. You know you are this master of sleight of hand magic <laughs> which you can uh, you can share a little bit about but um Oh yeah. You know one thing I I noticed about you is and we 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 talked about and you shared with me was that you you have a you have a sort of tremor and yes. uh, uh and it'd just be interesting just to share you know, how you have dealt with that. And if you don't mind. Right. That, Since we're right. talking about keeping yeah. our heads while others around us. Yeah. 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 It's something, it's nothing horrific, but it does get in the way. So I'll talk about that. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's chat about that. So I guess we'll be back again in a couple of minutes, Mark. And Fantastic. <laughs> From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Mark Levy, and we're talking about keeping your head when others are losing theirs. And Mark, Mark and I were just talking in the break, and he's got a he's got a story about reframing, a, ma- a magic story about reframing. And I think it'd be good to talk a little bit about Mark's uh, magic now. Um, right. Mark, do you want to share that story with us? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we're going to talk about, I have a tremor. I have a very pronounced tremor in my hands. And to do sleight of hand with a tremor is quite a big deal. But I'll talk about that in a second. Your beautiful ideas about silver lining and looking at the opposite or whatnot triggered a story I have about magic and reframing. It's one of my favorite stories. So 20 years ago or so, uh, my wife was taking a computer science course at night at a university. And so she came home one day at one night after the course and she said, Mark, I want you to help me to create a magic trick. Now, that was super unusual because as any magician will tell you, uh, uh, you can't get your spouse to sit still to watch you do a magic trick. You have to say, hey, pick a card. You have to follow them around the house with the deck for for them to pick a card. (laughs) You're tired of it. And so the fact that she would come to me and ask me to create a magic trick, like it had never happened before. I said, why do you need a magic trick? She said, my computer science professor gave us a problem, a piece of homework that sounded like a magic trick. And I said, what was it? She said, he wants us to write a program where we ask the computer to think of a number from one to 99. And then we guess what the computer is thinking of, what number in 10 guesses or less. 
And I said, okay, I get where that sounds like a magic trick to you. So I'll help. Sure. I took a yellow legal pad and a pen and I laid down on the bed. I still remember this. And I started to write down everything I was thinking. I was saying it out loud and I was writing it down. I said, okay, first thing. And again, I'm writing this first thing have the computer think of a number from one to 99 and, and don't have it tell you what the number is. Now, ask the computer if it's think, thinking of a single digit number or a double digit number. If it's thinking of a single digit number, use your remaining nine guesses to guess all the single digit numbers. Are you thinking of one? Are you thinking of two? Are you thinking of three? If you get it, great. If if it's, uh, if it's not thinking of a single digit number, throw all those single digit numbers out. Now you know it's gonna be a, a, a two digit number. Next guess, ask the computer if the number it's thinking of is odd or even, and then throw out the opposite half and so forth. It took me about 40 minutes, but I was writing all these steps down. And at the end of 40 minutes, I had the trick. It was not a good trick. It was not a deceptive trick. It was not an engaging trick, but it got the answer. You could dope out what the computer was thinking of in 10 guesses or less. And so then my wife said to me, okay, great. I'm going to take this algorithm that you wrote. And I said, whoa, what are you talking about? Algorithm. And she said, oh yeah, all these steps that you wrote out could rightfully be called an algorithm in mathematics. I'm going to take your algorithm and turn it into a computer program. And I, and it was to me, it was here, I had created the magic trick, but I'm the one who was fooled by the magic trick. And it's because I thought I was creating a magic trick when I was really writing an algorithm. Mm. Now in school, I was regularly, I regularly failed math. I got horrible scores in math. I was terrible at math. So, and I loved magic and hated and was scared of math. So imagine if my wife had come home and said to me, I want you to help me write an algorithm. I would have been confused. Maybe yes. I would have been angry that she was making fun of me because I don't do math well. I wouldn't have known step one of what to do. I would have procrastinated. I would have had to study stuff that I didn't know about. It would have been weeks later, if ever, that I had approached the problem. But because it was framed in the way that uh, something that I love, I just instantly sat on the bed and in 40 minutes, I got it done instead of weeks or months. Yes. And so to me, that is a beautiful example of, of reframing, at yes. least from my life, right? I went from hatred, I would have hated it, to it was wonderful. And I accomplished exactly what I need to do, right? Yeah. Cool story, right? That's oh, really cool. And you just reminded me of um, yes. a, a, a client I, I worked with who, who found it very hard to be uh, very concise and would be all over the place with his conversation. But he also enjoyed martial arts. And, and mm. I, I worked with him. I worked with him around trying to get more concise. And it was very frustrating for him and uh, challenging for him. And it, you know, it questioned how he'd been for many years, really. Um, but it was a, a, a problem uh, and for his, him and his, his company. Um, but then, when we started to think about it in the context of uh, of martial arts and the need to be need to be, you know, 
if you were like that with your martial arts, you'd be all over the place. You need to be controlled and need to be disciplined. And once we started to talk martial arts, uh, we we quickly got to the results. It was really interesting, and and you know he, he's it's remarkable seeing how he has transformed. Ah, remarkable now, but it, but it was through the conversation of martial arts, not the. Uh, oh, so he, in and, his regular in his regular life, he was very diffuse and all over the place. Yeah. And you got him to realize that in another part of his life, he was actually what you're saying reminds yeah. reminds me of one of one of my uh, one of my clients, Owen Fitzpatrick. Um, he he is a brilliant speaker and he's a huge uh, he, uh, background in NLP and thing. He's just he's just brilliant what he does. And he was at one point Europe's youngest hypnotist. He had his own TV program oh, wow. in Ireland. Uh, really great. But uh, he told me a story once of curing someone of smoking because they had considered themselves this this smoker, this heavy, heavy smoker. And they really smoked a bunch during the day. But in looking at when they smoked, they really only smoked a lot of cigarettes at three or four times during the day. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like this 15 minute period, this 20 minute period, they weren't smoking throughout the day. And he got them to realize that during the majority of the day, you are a non-smoker. Yes. Like you do not need a cigarette for most of the day. We just need to look at those 45 minutes during the rest of the day when you smoke a lot. But yeah. really you're a non-smoker who occasionally smokes. <laughs> and like that helped them kick the entire thing, right? You were saying yes in a way. Does this, does this yeah. connect with something that you were... Yeah, abs abs absolutely. It's uh, it is a reframing, isn't it? Again, right. it's another way to reframe um, right. somebody right. back into you know change change the change the paradigm for them. Um, so to you, just tell us a little bit. We we mentioned about your yeah. sleight of hand and your you know your your your, your tremor and well, what, what one are... one of the things that that uh, I've been doing lately. So I've done magic all my life, and I've created magic shows that have been very successful and and tricks that have been on tv and and las vegas and all kinds of and new york wow. all kinds of places um but i myself for many years because this it's a benign familial tremor it's called an essential tremor a lot of people have it it's it's a very common thing so you know i'm not dying from it it's yeah. you know my hands it's just uh i was told by a neurologist that my that my mind, uh, my mind will send a signal to my hands to move. And that signal will be like a beat slow. Uh, you know, the hands, re so the hands are always reacting behind what the mind's thinking. So the hands are always trying to catch up to what the mind's thinking. So it's a, so it's a tremor. Um, it, it creates a tremor. So it makes it really hard sometimes, not always, to, but like even do normal things like pick up glasses or so. Um, uh, you know, like a glass of water. Uh, but I decided, so all the magic that I was creating, I would create tricks for other people and they would perform them. But I really found that that was closing off my universe quite a bit, even though I was being very imaginative and creating these really cool things that people were performing. I was really only looking at a small piece of magic 
you know, it was too narrow to me. So I actually, in the past few months, I started to do sleight of hand, practice a lot of sleight of hand, and even do sleight of hand tricks for other people. And again, this is super hard with a tremor. <laughs> um, so, um, because not only did it, did it help with the tremor, because it gave me a little more control over what it, in a small way, over what it is I was doing. But, but now that I considered sleight of hand as additional ideas that I could use in creating tricks, it expanded my appreciation and my love and my inventiveness in magic in a much bigger way. Mm -hmm. And really the thing that precipitated this as I was saying was every time I'd look at the field of magic, I realized that I had painted myself into a corner. Even though I wasn't doing the tricks, I was kind of looking at tricks only that required a minimum of sleight of hand. And so here I was closing off 95% of the magic world. And it was depressing me. I would look at the field of magic and I'd say, oh, okay, you're just going to look at this very small piece now. Isn't that screwed up? That you would look at things from smudge. So, so I took up sleight of hand purely as a way of trying to see more of the world. Mm. Mm. That's what that's all about. Amazing. So just yeah. noticing we're, we're, uh, we're coming to the end of the interview uh, from time. I mean, I'm just interested um, what you've taken from the conversation today and when you've got any final message you'd like to leave us with, really. What, sure. What, 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 what are your reflections? Oh, yeah. So to me, some of the things that stood out, I mean, I know everyone listening will take different things standing out, but the idea of, of approaching things from a silver lining aspect and reframing to get to that silver lining aspect. And the idea, as I had said, even that exercise I had given people of walking around in appreciation of things that they hadn't even noticed before or things that they didn't like, like what can they appreciate about this? Like it's that whole idea, you would use the word opposite, the whole idea of looking at situations and flipping them to understand what's useful here. I just found of tremendous benefit. And again, the reason why I found this conversation so meaningful is that the things that we talked about were not from a place of abstraction. Like, you know, these were all from heavy duty reality. Like I had seen you process this stuff. And I, you know what I mean? Like over this, uh, over this course. So it's the idea that we're practitioners of these ideas that make them so effective. Fantastic. Well, good, Mark, I'm going to have to say a um, bit amazing. Thank you so much for the, for the opportunity and the gift. And you know, this, this show is about elevation. Uh, and I think, you know, what I would say, if you're going through challenges right now in the world, you know, look at it, look at how you can maybe take some of those principles that Mark has shared and spiral up and elevate up rather than, elevate down that's I mean my aim through this was to elevate up I had to keep reminding myself I need to elevate up um, and not go down a, a deep dark black hole um, and then gifts amazing gifts like this opportunity to talk with Mark and the other thing I would say is be around amazing people be around the best people you can positive people not those who will talk you down like Mark people like Mark I, I'm very fortunate 
to know, but be around um, those people who are going to support you. Uh, and they're also not going to allow you to go down that dark hole. So uh, wish everybody well. Um, on next week's show, we've got um, Sean Casemore. We're going to talk about unstoppable sales in the new economy. Um, Sean's a very inspiring young uh, fellow. Uh, I've interviewed him a number of years ago. Actually, he's not that young. He's probably a similar age to me. Um, but we'll be he'll be on the show uh, next week. But once again, huge thanks to Mark and we don't talk to Mark enough. We need to have him on the show more often. So we'll we'll arrange that. Uh, any questions, comments? Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, Mark, do you have a website or anything you want people to? Sure. My yeah. website is Levy L E V Y LevyInnovation.com. So Fantastic. innovation with no S at the end. I'm only capable of one innovation. Fantastic. Take care, everybody. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.